0: 1893 Chicago's Columbian Exposition Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893 Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Below the radar of the major label music industry of golden plains and all night parties is a submarine level of music. A scene populated by small national touring acts, local concert promoters, and tiny venues. These groups must work together to find their personal successes and keep their heads above water financially. A local promoter of Northwest Indiana allowed me into his home to talk about some of the concerns and aspects of running shows at this stage.
1: Uh, my name is Eddie Paden, and I am a concert promoter. I arrange, budget, and um, execute live entertainment events. I was told once that there's three rules in being a promoter. And the three rules are you book, you promote, and you pray. So basically, it comes down to picking the right acts, putting them in the right places, you know, picking the right bands that are going to direct, you know, gear towards the market that you're in as far as, you know, geographically. Providing a, a, an atmosphere is a big part of it. Uh, primarily, we're working right now in the hardcore metal. Um, we're looking to kind of expand the markets that, we're, that we work with to potentially um, hard style, hardcore DJs, you know, um, you know hardhouse-type things, club. You know, and it's, that, that, that's kind of, you know, the nice thing about what we're doing is we're starting to get to the level now to where we're bringing in the larger name acts. You don't have to drive all the way up to the House of Blues to see these acts.
0: He continues on by elaborating about the people that make his ventures successful.
1: You got to have a team, you know, you got to have some, you have have to have strong members on your team, you know, people that are, that they can boss themselves, people that, you know, have initiative and ready to jump. You have to have competent security, you know, guys that aren't going to go chase after the first, you know, big tip blonde that walks past them, you know, and forget about the fight that's going on 20 feet away. Um, You know, you got to have trustworthy people running your door. You don't want somebody to steal from you. You know, you gotta have a, a a sound guy with a good ear, because you know your show sounds bad. The band doesn't like it. Band gets back to the agency. The agency gets pissed off. Sends you bullshit emails. You gotta deal with all of it. Explain yourself, and it's just you know, it's just it's eliminate the problems before they occur. Make sure you got somebody you know that's as far as booking the shows knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to the markets that you're booking in. Some bands won't do as well in one area as others do. You know, and you kind of have to know this. You have to know what's going on around your show.
0: After informing me about his direct operations, Ed begins to talk about those he must pacify on a larger geographic scale.
1: Most agents, most agents with a decent amount of common sense, when they route their tours for their bands, they like to keep a good distance in between shows. A good agent is going to push... Put at least 100 miles, 150 miles In between their bands Now they don't want to put it too far Because driving, you know, it wears down a band Uh, That poses a problem to us Because it's such a competitive market Everybody's, you know And these agencies are taking advantage of that fact You know, when you come across these acts, right And it's a business You're in a business to make money Agencies are in a business to make money They get percentages off of guarantees They book so the higher the guarantee The higher percentage, higher commission They're going to make And what it comes down to me is if a band's going to come in and expect me to pay them $750 when I got a $10, when I got a show that's $10 a ticket, they better damn well draw 75 people into my show to cover their guarantee, the money that I'm paying them in advance. The way I look at it is you have a plumber come out to your house and the son bitch don't fix, fix your pipes, what the hell are you going to pay any money for you know, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been the uh, uh, artist, you know, and it's just, it, it's rough being on the road. But the problem is that I know a good portion of this money is not going to the band. A good portion of these guarantees, that they're, these flavor the guarantees are going straight to these agencies. You know, they work out contracts in the beginning that this is how much money you're going to make per show. And then the agency then takes on their little percentage and their little overhead so they can make their extra money. And they propose that to the promoters. You know, it it, it kind of like breaks my heart when you know I gotta tell a band, "Hey, dude, I know what the hell's going on." You know what I mean? And it's just like you know, we're, we just can't do that. You know what I mean? Because it makes makes me look like, oh, we used to want to pay a band that's starving on the road.
0: At the end of our interview, Ed invited me out to a show. Many kids had come out to see a few local bands as support of some touring acts making a stop at the Cressmore Country Club in Hobart, Indiana. I had the opportunity to speak with one of the nationals before they headed out to their next stop. We talked about monetary compensation and what it takes to keep the gas tank filled while crossing the country for months at a time.
2: My, my name's Kevin, uh, I'm a vocalist from Salt Lake, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm Jake, I play guitarist so from Cleveland, Ohio. From the standpoint of a professional national band, the word guarantee no longer holds any true meaning. With more and more young kids being exposed to the options to rent out a rental hall or rent out their local music venue to produce a show, with that there are more shady characters, more people in it to get as much money as possible and not really compensate the band. And we see all the time some newer promoters who will take all the money, and during the headline band, they'll leave. And there's real no honor code anymore as far as money, and it becomes a necessity to have an enforcing member in either a band or on a tour, whether it be a tour manager or just a band member that's operating most of the operations to just make sure that they get that money. It's becoming a necessity to almost have to ask to be paid before we play. Um, I know we've we've done
3: 15, 16-hour drives from show to show Only to find out that A, the promoter had thrown the show off to somebody else who didn't have the money to pay it, or B, to get paid 20 bucks, 25 bucks, saying, sorry, this dollar has, and legitimately, there is no other money for them to give us unless they empty their bank accounts, which, I mean, we've come across people who have done that
2: before, but that's very rare. Merchandise is limited because you buy merchandise and people think we have a lot more of a markup than we really do, but your profit. Pretty short, it's pretty close to about 30 percent, and on larger ticket items with 25 30 hoodies, it's even less. And so, merchandise generally is strictly to be recycled into more merchandise just for the sake of advertising. Someone wearing that t shirt, how many people are going to see that? How many people are going to read your name? You can't depend on merchandise to fill your gas tank, and when you do, is when you get into trouble with a lot of the merchandising companies for buying a thousand t shirts, they'll give it to you on credit, and you'll pay it when you get home from tour. And if you're paying your gas out of your merchandise and you're not carefully monitoring how much of that profit margin you're eating up, you can get yourself into some serious problems financially.
3: There have been points where on this tour, where because of the lack of guarantees that we've been getting, if we had sold every single piece of merch that we had that night, we'd still be $1,200, $1,300 under what we needed to pay back that merchandise, meaning we'd have to buy more on credit. To, just to pay off what you had. Just to, get up, just to get that profit margin up so that we'd have the extra money to pay that off
2: and that's what we did this time. Because it drives that long, just our machinery, our van, it's not possible to haul a trailer in a passenger vehicle for 15 plus hours a day and not have something severely go wrong. We blew a transmission as a, just a hand of consideration allowed us to purchase more to raise that profit margin. But it's still very slim. Okay. And you purchased more, that means you have to pay that back as well. So, I mean, it's
3: always one on top of another. And it seems like, Touring is the only way to staying out. It's the only way to, to get back, on get back on top. And I mean, I'm just hoping we are. <laughs> I mean, there have been places where, due to MySpace, which is a big, huge music tool, we have gone to places. Albuquerque, New Mexico, was huge. Kids loved us there. We'd never been there before. But then again, there have been places we played in Michigan, which is three hours away from our hometown. We played there six, seven times. We played to twenty kids. So I mean, it, it just it really all
2: depends on the promotion, of promoter find our online merchandise. So we're actually selling to almost all 50 states, all across Europe, Japan, Australia. And we're finding that to really help because there can be places where we've only sold maybe five or six shirts online. But kids have seen it enough at shows to be familiar with our name. And they even just be like, I've never heard your music, honestly. If I saw your name on a flyer, so-and-so wears your hoodie all the time. So I thought I'd give it a shot. And that was one of those cities with... Albuquerque, New Mexico. Kids had purchased an EP that we released two years ago online. Kids had purchased t-shirts. And the kids in some of these local bands had really hyped it up. Like, these guys are awesome. I bought their CD, pass it out. They burned said CD. Uh, told us they burned said CD. Not really, you know, something we encourage, but still, there was a whole ton of kids at that show and that was somewhere we'd never been. We were trying to get our name out there.
3: So, yeah, it's going to suck because we're not going to get the money from it, but at the same time, we're still getting that exposure
2: to that kid. That kid, we tell through other people, burned it for him. And that show specifically, those kids who came out and like I burned that CD, majority of them bought T-shirts or hoodies, and that more than compensated for a CD sale. They, you know, like I loved your band, my favorite song. you guys played it first, awesome. And right there, having an online store with regularly stocked all our sizes and everything, shipping worldwide, really paid off as a serious promotional tool.
0: Due to possible security issues, police are required in most cities for shows to be allowed to happen. I spoke with the officer on hand about his thoughts on the local scene in which he works. My name is Officer Kerry Janakis, I'm with the Hobart Police Department. Um, I'm assigned here this evening to do security, uh, keep an eye over, you know, all the music and the people here, make sure everything's going good, and we have no problems. All right, uh, what do you think about the underground music scene as it pertains to Northwest Indiana? I don't think there's a problem. I know there's a lot of a lot of kids and, and young adults in the area that love the music and love to play music and. Uh, it's, it's a good thing for them to get them all together and together meet each other, you know, get to know what each other's music is, and, and you know, have a place to hang out. And basically, your role within things is just essentially to do what? Go oversee, keep an eye, make sure nobody's causing any trouble, uh, nobody's getting hurt, everybody's safe, and everybody gets along. Some of the mosh pits get heavy. Uh, people get aggravated and then they want to fight afterwards. Uh, but I, I think it's all in good fun. You ever jump in there and Nice. No, I've, I've had to separate people. I haven't jumped in and throw down with anyone. <laughs> I caught up with Ed and his partner during the concert to hear how the night was going.
1: Well, it sucks when people don't come to your shows because you have certain overheads that you have to meet. And when you can't meet them, it really, you know.
2: And your bank's gone. Yeah. And you gotta dig into your own pocket when there's nothing there.
1: You used the bank already, too?
2: Huh?
3: You used the bank already?
2: Oh, no, I never put any bank in there. Uh, I started from scratch. Oh, did you? Yeah. Really? Now it's a three-way conversation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now that our inner business workings are on a tape for everybody to hear.
2: We don't use a bank, so if you're gonna rob us, it's okay.
0: As disasters do, one struck that night. A touring band, not getting the love from the audience their singer felt they deserved, instigated a small skirmish in the basement of the venue, causing some damage to the ceiling in their wake.
2: I'm money for it, All right,
3: I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. I, think Rick, I think Rick's going to tell us no more. Just based on what I overheard him in his conversation. He's already talking about what making us lose exclusive. Right, right like uh, just don't come to speculation. Every show people say that. I <laughs> uh, We will not be shut down just like you guys say every other show. before you happen Okay.
0: I'm going to make sure we get right now. I'm going to Was it cool Was it cool? Because if it wasn't cool, then... <laughs> uh, okay. um, hold on. Dude, just... Hang on a minute,
2: Yeah. So we might go on a
1: Where's the cat that fucking decided he wanted to grab on this? I saw how the cops I, I don't know anybody calling him. The cop grabbed him? Yep. Yeah. Wait, who's going to jail? Nobody's probably going to fucking
2: jail that we know of. Well, hey, I
0: work at Lowe's. I can fix Yeah, I do. I work at Lowe's. I can, Lowe's, I do. <laughs> I can
2: get this shit for you. <laughs>
0: After all of this, I've learned what it takes to make a run at this industry. It's difficult to compete with promoters. we travel in a van, hoping the next night will cover the costs incurred when you and your mates set out. I will leave you with some closing statements from Salt the Wound and Edward Payton.
3: My biggest negative is the elitists, the hierarchies that divide the scene, more or less. I mean, there are kids who are coming to shows who love the band that they're coming to see. They want to see that band more than anybody. But there's those four or five kids who think they're better than everybody else who just ruin the show for everybody else. It starts fights. I mean, there's that's the whole negativity about it is what I hate. But the positive is, I mean, the positive is, like, for me, when I'm up on stage in a place I've never been to, that I've ne- I mean, like, I've never been to the state, and I see the whole front row of kids singing the words that I wrote that mean something to me that I know probably means something to them. Nothing better than that. No.
1: Kids that break shit and venues suck. Why? What's the fucking sense? You know, you want to come back and spend your money here next weekend. Why can you break shit this weekend?